0: Without my buddy Christian because we did a just kind of of spur-of-the-moment live stream and uh, we're just kind of quickly putting this out into the podcast side of things Uh, so this started out as a YouTube video and uh, the the content starts out a little bit slow but it picks up into uh, and turns into one of the uh, I think better episodes that we've recorded in 2019 Um, Christian starts off talking about what he learned in 2019 and how his mind has changed and then we turn to me and And I do the same. Uh, I I really enjoyed this conversation. I'm not going to make this intro too long because I'm without my co-host. So let's just get right into it. Again, it starts off slow, but the the meat of this episode is is in the middle. And I think it's really, really worth listening to. So I hope you all enjoy it. Thanks.
1: Okay, so what do we want to talk about? (laughs)
0: What do we want to talk about? Uh, Crypto Twitter's... extra snippy lately oh, we're getting I mean, ud they're... on on pov in a uh, couple weeks you mean ud
1: yeah ud what i'm excited about that uh, oh yeah you just said it quickly so i said i thought you said ud on <laughs> i said ud should i say ud and I, I think it's ud ud yeah Soft to you so who is who is he um he's a, a bitcoiner out of israel and actually don't know his background he's technical um he is technical he he just you know bitcoins and comments and chip posts from what i can tell he actually has just, a he has a podcast but
0: um, yeah i was listening yeah. i listened to a couple of episodes of of him on other people's podcasts and then also his own podcast just to kind of get a grasp for who he is and he was talking on what bitcoin did and he was talking about how ethereum makes no sense and then he said that uh if you want to issue a token, you should just do it on top of Stellar. And it's just like one of those things where like, if you say that, then I to am lost for words. Like, how do you think Stellar is any better than Ethereum? Like, if if you hate Ethereum for all the reasons that Bitcoin maximalists hate Ethereum,
1: like why is Stellar at all acceptable? I don't know. Um, I, I don't hate Ethereum, so. <laughs> do you hate Stellar? Uh, I I prefer Ethereum to Stellar in pretty much every context.
0: Yeah, Stellar is just there's there's absolutely no trust minimization on Stellar. It's I own okay. zero I, stellar. I don't even want to talk about Stellar. It's just not even a real thing. It doesn't Key even
1: exist. Let, mean, let, let me let me tell you about Stellar and all centralized tokens trying to get their economics right. Because the reality is is that the Like the game theory and the economics is way, way, way harder than you know putting the latest tech together. This is obvious with Stellar. It's becoming extremely obvious with Hedera Hashgraph. Have you been following that? Wait, what is that? Who's that? What's that podcast that you like? Yeah, um, Hidden Forces. Hidden Forces. Yeah. Has he been commenting on the this bullshit like this this yuckiness? No, not. I haven't
0: seen him comment yet. And then the other the other interesting (laughs) thing is that he's put on either two or three um, episodes where uh, very prominent, short Tesla individuals have come on and presented the case for why Tesla is going to go bankrupt. And then Tesla kept on going down, down, down to like 135. And now it's at like 400. And so I tweeted at him, it's like, hey, will you do like a, a, an autopsy of, of the, your, the, your two short Tesla episodes? Because those guys are have like probably bankrupt right now. So his his two financial investments that he has advertised, short
1: Tesla and Hedera Hashgraph, have not done too well at all. So the reason I brought up Hedera Hashgraph and their horrible economic debacle, you can look into it more if you want. It's pretty funny. But uh, I, the reason I brought them up is because, like them, Stellar is this centralized token, and they're trying to be like this bank token, and they're trying all these things to get adoption. And there's a privacy messaging app called Keybase, and I created a Keybase app uh, account because a lot of Bitcoiners like to use Keybase. Whatever, Keybase has a Stellar wallet in it. I think Stellar invested in Keybase, but Stellar did a partnership with Keybase where they distributed millions of dollars worth of Stellar to mm-hmm. Keybase users if they, you know, set backed up their Keybase with uh, private seed, set it up on two other devices, like essentially. Mm-hmm. Did, you know, kind of key customer acquisition metrics in hopes of getting more engagement as well as potentially getting people to download the app. They did three giveaways. I got all of them and swapped them to Bitcoin, um, but I, I got like over $100 worth of Bitcoin, oh, wow, uh, which is nice. pretty awesome. Yeah, it was legit. But they ended it last month because of poor results, bots taking advantage of it, and no one actually like doing the performance indicating things meaningfully. No, so, all these airdrop no people, no, yeah, community. like all literally half of the users, half of the people receiving the second airdrop were bots. 50%. Wow, nice.
0: Yeah. And sold so, it. And
1: right. yeah, obvi- whatever, whatever they're going to do, very with likely, it. likely they, sold it. Each account for the second airdrop got $60. Damn. Yeah, yeah. How, so, um,
0: but how come Stellar is in the still in the top twenty? Where is it right now? How is that not just flooding the market with with you know
1: not wanted lumens? I mean, I think Stellar's been dumping, but uh, I mean, ultimately it's still not that meaningful amount of a supply. Our, that's our benchmark here. <laughs> uh, Ether's the benchmark. <laughs> Man, yeah, because well, from I from Bitcoiners it makes because... you feel better about your tokens. <laughs> <laughs> yeah the ether price 11. is more stable
0: almost almost a one billion dollar market cap I like mean,
1: what let, let's be real david like look at the entire market cap it's an utter joke and you mean
0: coin, are you talking about just all the tokens yeah just like look at gap? like
1: like what's between 11 and and four like nothing yeah
0: did you see my tweet <laughs> that i put out the other day it's like the coin, the coin market cap. New Year's re- resolution to be should be not to be shit because it goes Bitcoin, Ethereum, both good. XRP shit, Tether pass, Bitcoin cast, shit, Litecoin shit, EOS shit, Binance Coin pass, Bitcoin SV shit, Tezos sure, Stellar shit, Tron shit, Cardano shit, uh, Leo sure, Monero I'm not gonna call it shit, but we don't need it. Uh, Cosmos acceptable, Hobie token I don't even know what that does. Chainlink maybe. NEO, shit. Ethereum Classic, shit. USD coin. Uh Hedge trade. I didn't even need heard of this one. Hedge trade. IOTA, which just went has been down. Like, the whole network's been down and no one noticed. So, shit. Then comes Maker. Crypto.com coin. Like, we're on, we're on 25 here. Crypto.com coin. I don't even know what that does.
1: There's a bunch of exchange tokens in there. Like, <laughs> I guess the fact that there are tokens attached to businesses with revenue makes yeah. them... In the top 25, but just goes to show, you know, the, the real activity is really happening on very, very few ecosystems.
0: Yeah. Like even, even amongst ERC twenties, there are, there are like four good ERC twenties. And then there are like six good ERC twenties that basket up those four good ERC twenties. And then, and then that's like the, all of the ERC twenties on the token on, on Ethereum that are like trustless.
1: I'll say real tokens
0: are are good, good assets, but like, you know, they're not, they're not the crypto economic future that we're looking for.
1: Should, should we deliver our ads or are we going to do that later?
0: Uh, yeah, let's deliver our ads. Sneaky, sneaky ad attack time.
1: Yeah. Okay. So what are we going to do this podcast about? Uh, I want to do end of the year review.
0: End of the year review. Just kind of talking about what's going on on crypto Twitter. Um,
1: uh what all do we we really want to talk about crypto twitter i want like can we talk about what we want what we're excited for next year sure i i would love to talk about how my i've changed my mind this year like yeah okay let's do that oh yeah we did talk about that
0: let's let's start with that and we'll go from there
1: okay well let's start off with the ads okay all right live viewers everyone tuning in to pov crypto number fight night number 12 episode uh, like what? One oh seven? Yeah, some something, something like that. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, man. Can't believe we've been doing this for so long, but it's fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, good hobby. We have a good show for you. Uh, as you can tell, we're doing a little bit of an end of the year review, and we pretty much just came up with uh, the show's content live for you on Twitter and on YouTube. So, um, you guys, it doesn't take that much to do a podcast. Don't compete with us, but you know, it's not that hard. <laughs> let's get into get the, wrecked. <laughs> yeah. Let, let's get in. Let's get into, uh. let's get into our sponsors. First one, eToro, longtime sponsor. They're committed to supporting us through the end of Q1. And we are very thankful for their support of our show, as well as a ton of other fantastic content creators in the space. eToro has been creating and building tools that bring financial inclusiveness and opportunity to different parts of the world. They started off by bringing U.S. equities to Europe, Israel, other parts of the world. And then they were one of the first legit big-time financial companies to see the opportunity in Bitcoin, Ethereum, crypto in general. In 2013, they made a crypto trading platform for the greater world, not necessarily the U.S. And in 2019, they brought their trading platform to the U.S., This platform is different than some of the other characters, Um, is more focused around social trading, having a cool, you know, social media like architecture around the trading, as well as a lot of cool tools that let you invest in crypto and Bitcoin the way that you want. You can have a simple dollar cost averaging strategy by following a trader that's doing that. You can have a complex multi-coin strategy by just one click of the mouse and following a trader using their copy trader features. This is something that no other exchange has in the US. Um, or you can just, you know, buy Bitcoin the way you want and withdraw it and put it in your hardware wallet. They really let you do whatever you want. It's a really fantastic platform. Check it out at b.tc backslash eToro P-O-V. B.tc backslash eToro P-O-V. Really, really glad to have eToro.
0: Interestingly enough, Etoro is a customer of our next sponsor, Quantstamp. So uh, Etoro used Quantstamp to help with their uh, smart contract and, and auditing services, which is pretty cool. We have a we have a little duo sponsorship on, on our hands. Quantstamp, if you guys don't know, is probably the the lead leader in uh, smart contract auditing, uh, solidity code auditing, um, just general security for the the world mostly in ethereum but other blockchains as well they've done a lot of work especially with some recent developments in the uh in the ethereum space uh stablier the rent streaming application audited by r rdi the interest bearing die note audited by compound or excuse me audited by uh, quantstamp um MakerDAO, a previous customer of Quantstamp. So Quantstamp actually has a huge influence in the DeFi space, making sure that DeFi is built right the first time. Uh, As we all know, in the Ethereum community, smart contracts can have bugs and that can cause issues. Um, But uh, with, with expertise and knowledge, we can get these right the first time. And Quantstamp is where we get that expertise and knowledge done right. Uh, so thank you Quantstamp for sponsoring our podcast. Really honored to have you as a sponsor. If you guys want to learn more about Quantstamp, you can go to expertaudits.com and you can look at their suite of services uh, and also look at their very impressive resume of completed customers. Quantstamp, thank you.
1: Yeah, we have a lot of friends at Quantstamp, so shout out to y'all. We know You know who you are. Thanks for always su- supporting the show. All right, well, let's just get into it. So I I think for me, a really big theme of 2019 is just kind of learning a lot. And one person that I've learned a lot from is David Hoffman, uh, my co-host here, and Mm -hmm. a lot of the people that he brings onto the show um, really changed how I look at the space. And although I'm I'm an adamant Bitcoiner, I think that Bitcoin is the best investment. Um, I have really come to appreciate what's going on in the rest of the space. Um, so I guess, you know, something where I've changed my mind is like, I don't, I, I would say that at the beginning of the year, I would say, I think that most altcoins were just utter shit and garbage and kind of a waste of time, but, um, I've come to kind it of develop this are
0: included in that
1: for the most part. Like I've definitely come to appreciate Ethereum a lot more. Um, but in general, I would say that, you know, I had a very, very Maximus view. And although I still have a kind of like Bitcoin will accrue most value, I think I've changed the way that I've seen, I'm going to, I, I see that happening. And I see altcoins as kind of being this inevitable part of what Bitcoin did to the world. Like, I think that all of this is part of Bitcoin. And, you know, I'm not sure exactly, you know, how the value is going to accrue. But, you know, ultimately, like, I don't see Ethereum as being this thing that is, like, evil. I I think it is something that was inevitable and is, you know, it inspires the imagination. It enables people to go out and experiment and do things. And if they build things that are useful, that's fantastic. And if they build things that push the limits and inspire things in Bitcoin, you know, I think that it will happen and, Um, the entire ecosystem is better for it. And I think that all of these altcoins in general, they expand the space, not restrict the space. Um, And that's good for Bitcoin. And I think that makes Bitcoin a better investment. Um, So, uh, you know, obviously, when it comes to financial advice, that is a very specific thing. And this podcast is never financial (laughs) advice. But, you know, that, you know, you can talk about Bitcoin specifically and maximally in that context, I think. But when it comes to how Bitcoin and crypto and privacy descent tech is going to change the world, I think it's all part of it. I think it is, this is all part of it. And I would say that has been my biggest um mindset frame change this year and very much inspired and, uh, you know, pushed by David here. So thank you.
0: No, oh, thank you, sir. Um, so do do you think that Ether will have any amount of meaningful value capture or value accrual to it? Has that I think that, did, I think has that like changed a, from your from the start of the year?
1: I hold more Ether now, and I bought Ether this year. So I you bought it with I, money. I must admit it. Yes, uh, I did. So when did
0: that happen? I missed that. Uh, like a month ago, actually. Um, you have you have been withholding that information from me, sir. <laughs>
1: Um, but I did so. Uh, I do think that there's a short to medium term bullishness. Um, in general, like I, I'm still skeptical. Like, if I think Ether is this massive black swan, and Rick Burton put out a really good tweet that just illustrates like how crazy of a success story Ether has been so far, um, and being able to bootstrap this community. I'm still very skeptical in eth two and scaling community and kind of like the altruistic community funding mindset, but at the at the same time, like um you know it's not like there's nothing there um and the story is is almost like against all odds um in some way um so you know in some way similar to to bitcoin as an against all odds the the <laughs> thing that sh- should not have worked did work um. So, you know, we'll see, we'll see. Uh, I have a little bit of skin in the game, I guess. Of course it's proportionally um, managed <laughs> based on risk, but you know uh, I'm definitely not, I definitely don't hold either. I, I definitely do not hold no either <laughs> double negative there, but there you go. So you
0: remember my, either my article or the video from, from me at Tel Aviv uh, doing the whole ether is a new model for money talk. You remember the the general bare bones
1: of that talk. Yep, I think so.
0: Yeah, the thesis is like DeFi app. In order for DeFi applications to be DeFi, or for trustless applications to be trustless, we need collateral because there's no such thing as under collateralized trustless applications. If you want to be trustless, you have to be collateralized, and in the DeFi world uh we only have ether as our asset because that's the only native asset to Ethereum is ether and therefore ether is the collateral for DeFi and if DeFi grows then ether is the collateral for the the internet world in the same way that gold was the collateral or is, is still the collateral for the legacy world. How does that resonate with you or or where does that like break down?
1: Um Okay. I think that Ether has a a ton of speculative value right now. And I think that any of these altcoins that we listed off before starting recording, um, Mm -hmm. those also have a ton of speculative value. And so does Bitcoin. Um, that's where the volatility comes. No one really can put the finger on like, you know, speculative value is really important, but over time, the speculative value decreases substantially and then it is overtaken by you know monetary premium which i consider to be to-, to uh which i consider to be a utility value i think that being liquid and being saleable and being something that everyone wants that is utility right that what is what makes money useful because you can count on everyone wanting it so you can denominate your things in that and obviously there are other features of money but you know that in itself is utility value um you know as that starts to become more prominent in other you know arguably utility values i don't believe in like utility coin but you know usefulness over speculation necessarily um you know as that starts to weigh in um i think that that can really damage potentially ethers usability as a good collateral um so a lot of eth heads would say that no ether is has a ton of utility because of all the things that you can do with it but I think that the real utility of all this stuff and what really makes it is that monetary premium. And I think that that is what, you know, we should focus on trying to accrue as much of too. Um, and that is brought, you know, based on checking the boxes for, you know, the characteristics of a good money and liquidity, scarcity, uh, saleability, all of those things, um, are extremely important.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I totally see that. So, the the whole idea of a utility token is super dumb. Like the basic attention token is a utility token and it's utility is that it pays for the people using brave browser, but that's the only thing that it's utility for. And so when it comes to becoming like a global money, that's hopeless because global money isn't based off of people's attention. It's based off a bunch of other things. And so your opinion is that like uh, the utility is the fact that it is money. And so, like because you can access it anywhere in the world, because there's no slippage, because you can, it's, it's, I don't know, next characteristic, the moneyness, uh, yeah, because of its moneyness, it's got the the utility is the moneyness. So here's here's where I think that breaks down. Uh, so ether, we're trying to give utility to ether by giving it applications for it to be useful inside of. And the cool thing about ether is that it's the same ether inside of all of these applications. And so the more applications that get built out, we're providing more uh, utility to ether, but we're not locking it in it to one, one function in the same way that basic attention token is locked into. And so the reason why something is liquid and globally accessible uh, and highly valuable is because of the utility that it provides at, and that's utility is liquidity. And so the more applications that need ether, everything needs ether in Ethereum, or at least that's the pattern that we are seeing. And so when everything is, all these applications are providing utility to ether and ether does the same thing for all of these applications, which is provide these applications with value and liquidity. That's it's the utility that creates the moneyness and I don't think you can just go straight for moneyness. Like you can't say that like, oh yeah, Bitcoin is liquid and because that's its utility, its utility is liquidity and its liquidity is its utility. I don't think that works. I think you can't skip ahead to all the things and just say, hey, everyone wants Bitcoin and and it's it's the new money. Like, no, you have to build out the reasons why people want it.
1: Oh, I I, I totally agree. I just don't think that non-monetary I mean, actually, no, I take it back. Like, you are, I guess you're saying monetary things, but those monetary, like, okay. Like, the
0: monetary things of DeFi are way smaller than the monetary things of the rest of the world. But the Ethereum bet is that the DeFi side is going to grow really fast.
1: I guess, um, like, like let's tease this out a little bit more. Um, So, I think that monetary premium comes from very specific characteristics. This is harped on a lot by the Austrian school of economics. And really this this idea is like money is a good, right? So, you know, if Ethereum's dApps like make Ethereum a better monetary good, then I guess you are kind of arguing the same thing. But where I think that it doesn't necessarily make sense is that one a lot of these dapps aren't dapps truly dapps maybe smart contracts they can be found out in a way doesn't that even matter. that whatever no, maybe, whatever they are sure no but so like here let me let me break it down so i don't think that they're actually they actually create real meaningful advantages over a lot of other you know leveraged or other different kind of financial tools that are delivered via CeFi right now, and they're not competitive and they're actually censorable. Um, and maybe there's ways to use them in an uncensorable way um, that hasn't been fully tested. And we're going to see it, you know, big uh, 2020, 2021, like we're going to see a lot of these things get challenged. I have no doubt in my mind. And we're going to really learn if they truly do have a, meaningful advantage. But like even right now, like if you want to use DeFi for leverage, like if you wanted to leverage a massive amount of money, you couldn't do it. You could not do it. You would move the market. So it's still not useful for any sort of whale at all. Okay. So it, it just can't compete. And we don't know if it's necessarily censorship resistant. And we know for a fact that people building DeFi in the Ethereum community don't think about censorship resistant as much as they maybe should. Like, we can just tell that based on the conversations around the community. Um, So, I think we're going to see that all come into question. So, while I do agree that, like, things need to be built around an asset, a monetary asset, in order to make it more usable, more workable, more useful, I do think that that is happening with Bitcoin in an extremely meaningful way. And people in the DeFi space don't necessarily care for it or take it into context because they have this like, it has to be a dApp on ETH or has to have these things. And I just don't even know that those things are meaningfully competitive. And uh, again, I think that Bitcoin has this massive emerging ecosystem around it that is keeping it in a very, very strong lead.
0: Yeah, I think if there was one thing I would hope for in 2020 is that bit- the Bitcoin world would be a little bit more like Ethereum and the Ethereum world would be a little bit more like Bitcoin. Like the strengths of each community or or each chain are very non-overlapping. And so like Bitcoin has got the 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 genesis story, it doesn't have problems with bloat, it's not carrying over to a new chain. Uh it's got it's got the hard cap meme. Uh it's got, you know, just more more usage generally uh but then but then ethereum has you know the the concept of defi and specifically composability uh and so you know some some bitcoiners bitcoiners will say well eventually defi will come to to bitcoin and even if it does come i don't even know how that would happen but even if it does I don't also see how composability would also come. So like composability is is the Ethereum moat. Uh, and that's the thing that like no other smart contracting platform, I mean, maybe they, they have some, they, they can have it, but they're not going to because everything is coming to Ethereum. Um, and so like there's there's all of these great important lessons that Bitcoiners are talking about that are falling on deaf ears in the Ethereum world and vice versa. Uh, and I think, I really think that like, if it would be really nice if we could just meld these two communities together but we can't because in the same way we can't meld these blockchains together so it's mutually incompatible but i so i I will hope each community learns from each other
1: so actually i I slightly i agree with you and i disagree with you i agree with what you want um i disagree that it's not happening i think that is it's not falling on deaf ears i already see movement on both sides We see movement on the monetary front for Ethereum. And we also see movement on trying to get BTC into Ethereum. One of the things that I've been harping on recently is that altcoin communities are Bitcoin communities. They're different Bitcoin communities. And Bitcoiners in Ethereum want to get Bitcoin onto Ethereum, right? Mm -hmm. They are also trying to further, I mean, and this is why I think Bitcoin is the fucking honey badger. Like it's this most liquid good. And a lot of Ethereum holders are also massive Bitcoin holders. Um, so the incentives are very aligned for Ethereum mm-hmm. to help Bitcoin. And mm-hmm. so, okay, so guess this is how Bitcoin gets DeFi. Bitcoin yeah. gets trustlessly added to Ethereum. Yeah. Like right. that, like They're that's helping. just one way. I mean, Bitcoin's still gonna have liquid and it's still mm-hmm. gonna have uh lightning and it's still gonna have RSK, but it also has Ethereum, right? right. So um and there's other sidechains that are trying to use governance tokens to create security as the sidechain, um, one of which I heard of is is Echo. So Echo has a token. It's kind of like almost think about it's like a sidechain with a MakerDAO um, governance model. Um, so it uses a token and governance and all that stuff. So I think the lessons are being spread, and people are learning and taking for the best of these things, and that's the beauty of this space in general. And that's why I've been trying to open my mind to like, it's more, I guess, like like Bitcoin-centric view, but at the same time, like open-minded view, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah. Um, and I, I've seen this crop up more and more and more uh, recently. And Amin Soleimani, good friend of the pod, tweeted out an article from somebody who I can't remember. And I started reading it and I didn't finish it, but his his thesis was a new way to view um, tokens. And he he said something that I've been trying to spread for, for forever now is... is Uh, at least with proof of stake chains, the tokens are equity and tokens need to be viewed as network equity. And uh, not too long ago, I got in a little bit of trouble because I tweeted out something along the lines of like, if you hold Ether, then all all developers, all applications, all projects, all companies that build on top of Ether, um, if you hold Ether, then you have exposure to uh, all of those companies, all of those projects. Anything on top of Ethereum you have uh, ownership over. Why do you get in you... trouble for that? Because because people people are like, I don't work for you just because you hold Ether. Like you're, I, my company isn't your company. I'm like, no, that wasn't my point. What I'm saying is it, it's, it's and Andreas is Antonopoulos is a, a um, festival of the commons analogy. And so like when everyone works on Ethereum, the value of Ether goes up because of the positive externalities that we all have. But the point is, is that like, in this particular model ether isn't money per se it's not like the currency that we use it's more of just a a share of the ethereum network and this is trying be, been the thing i've been trying to get people to wrap their heads around is ethereum is a company ethereum is a is a DAO it's a decentralized organization with equity in ether and so like when something like bitcoin comes to ethereum and, you know, gets integrated into all the dApps and the, the liquidity comes and blah, 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 Well, then all of those transactions that, uh, you know, WBTC, wrapped BTC, not wrapped BTC as in the-, the Future Bitcoin trustless token. BTC. Sure, like, yeah. It, it's wrapped as in like literally wrapped in an ERC-20 token uh, Bitcoin. When that comes and has economic activity on Ethereum. All of that economic t- activity pays fees in Ether to the stakers. And so, like, Bitcoin can have its money. Bitcoin can be Austrian Austrian new age money. It'll be great. It can do all the things that Bitcoiners can say it'll do. And all of its economic activity that is on Ethereum is paid to Ether holders. And so, like, we have this this digital gold, whatever that is, uh, that's paying for economic activity on Ethereum, this digital equity of a a network. Uh, And and I think these are going to be much closer to the models of what these things actually are that we settle on in like five to 10 years when we finally figure these
1: things out. So I kind of like that analogy because I think you are differentiating Bitcoin as like this just digital thing versus Mm -hmm. Ethereum, which is a lot more community oriented. And other altcoins I think are also more community oriented, DAO oriented, like kind Mm -hmm. of like organization oriented Um, I do think that ether is competing with Bitcoin for monetary premium. So I think that ether does compete directly with Bitcoin in that regard, but the Ethereum effort doesn't necessarily compete with Bitcoin. I think in the Bitcoin effort doesn't necessarily compete with the Ethereum effort. And that's why I think that it's better and more fruitful and more accurate to see them as complementary. Um, but with that, again, with that being said, uh, I think that Bitcoin is has a way better shot of getting that monetary premium. And that is a huge, huge opportunity. So, and I think that that is going to completely change the world.
0: Right. Um, so it depends on to what degree that you think Bitcoin will be on Ethereum. And so if you think like 1% of Bitcoin will be on Ethereum and there's monetary premium out there, then then that's a big fight to fight that's, that each chain is fighting separately. But if like 60% of Bitcoin is on Ethereum, well, remember for every one Bitcoin on Ethereum, there needs to be one Bitcoin's worth of Ether locked up and collateralized or else it can't well, come. That's with TBTC.
1: System. We don't know what the
0: what the future of that is. So to my understanding, it can't be done trustlessly unless Bitcoin forks in new opcodes. And the only way to do it trustlessly now is with collateralization, because that's the only other way to get trustlessness is over collateralization. And if we want to do that trustlessly, you can only there, there's only one asset for you to be able to use on Ethereum trustlessly, which is Ether. And so for every one Bitcoin on Ethereum, there needs to be at least one Bitcoin's worth of Ether locked up as collateral Which is the force that generates monetary premium. And so any amount of like symbiosis between the Bitcoin and Ethereum blockchains benefits ether as the monetary premium token because of its it's the collateral.
1: I mean, this is where I think the tech is gonna is really going to either develop or I'm not confident about about Ethereum. I think that Ether, the most bullish case for Ether is as a successful sidechain effectively because bitcoin is going to be this monetary um this monetary collateral that is much more u- universally desired um but again you know we don't like the future the future is way beyond our wildest imaginations. that's the reality no one knows the future no one knows what these things are but this is my best guess is that you know ether's best chances as a like this utility layer in order to issue assets and people will be issuing and using bitcoin on top of it as well as other things um that's i think that's the the best case scenario um Mm -hmm. i think that there's going to be other things that are going to demand bitcoin as well and ether will have to compete with those things and be more useful um so i don't know like again I just don't like you bring up this, this idea of like this, these like peaks of value. I think that Mm -hmm. the monetary peak of value is extremely, extremely high and servicing that monetary peak of value is much lower, uh, much lower on this landscape. And there's going to be a lot of, uh, there's going to be a lot of opportunity to do that, but there's going to be a lot of competition too.
0: Right. And I agree with, I agree with all that. The only thing I would add is that it, even if Bitcoin has the monetary premium and that that peak of value is higher, even in, if that economic activity, that moneyness is happening on Ethereum, well, then one peak is always bleeding to the other because it's always paying fees to Ether staking. And so it'll always go. and And paying fees to a network of people by default pushes people into, pushes Ether into the hands of the people that want to hold it. Because if you have two stakers and one's holding the Ethereum fees that they take and one's selling them, well, then the holder is going to ultimately receive more fees over the long-term
1: and, and be the holder. So uh, I listened to that podcast that you recommended with uh, Eric Wall, where he kind of breaks down and teases um, proof of work versus proof of stake with Sebastian um, from Chorus 1 and Epicenter and, you know, longtime crypto enthusiasts. Uh, And they're talking about how much more efficient proof of uh, stake is at creating cheap security. Um, And the way that, like, like essentially with proof of work, the way that you get cheap and really efficient electricity is by finding untapped electricity. And the equivalent of that in proof of stake is people that are very long the asset. So people that are very, very long ether are cheaper. You can pay less to them to get their stake. Than people that are less long. Um, so I think that, that, that competition, um, like, you know, I think that, you know, potentially proof of stake could be this very good security methodology and it could be a very efficient way to, um, to secure ether or Ethereum or any other future kind of like proof of stake side chain type thing, um, in a very cheap manner. So, if that's the case, like I, I don't necessarily know that that's going to drive monetary premium. Like people can stake their stuff, they can get their you know small rewards and then do with it what they want. It's it's it, almost it like a not, staking asset.
0: Yeah, it might not. Maybe monetary premium is not the right descriptor, but it's some sort of premium, and it's a, a premium. And if it's in the your version of the world where Bitcoin has the monetary premium, and then it's also happening on on top of Ethereum. Then it's a premium generated by the fees of the monetary premium asset, and so like, again, like it's it's, (laughs) we are so far into the future where it's like ridiculous to even like hypothesize to what degree each one will be valuable. But like, I think what we can settle on is that every other blockchain is total shit, and if you're paying attention to just Bitcoin and Ethereum, that's enough.
1: I mean, I don't know. I think there, there could be other worthwhile, uh, complementary technologies coming up. Uh, so I definitely don't think that, um, I, I don't think as much as you do. But yeah. I mean, w- again, I think these are experiments, um, and people it's easier to experiment on a new chain than it is and build a new community than it is to necessarily break into an existing thing that's happening. Um, so we'll see, we'll see, but honey badger don't care. But yeah. I want to switch it to you now. What's what's your lesson? We kind of harped on me for like twenty five minutes here.
0: Yeah. Um, the The funny thing is, and and you got this right before I started to notice it. But you always said like I'm the biggest Bitcoin maximalist in Ethereum, uh, and there have just been so many instances, especially in the in the last month, where I'm uh, I have been arguing with other Ethereum people on Twitter or or just you know just talking about stuff, and then I write out a, a tweet and I and I look at it and like oh this is what a Bitcoin maximalist would say. But I'm but it's about Ether. And so like I'm I'm I think I'm the Bitcoin I, I have the Bitcoin maximalist template, but I've just swapped it out for for ether. So I, I constantly shit on Bankor because liquidity begets liquidity. And it's better to have uh one big Uniswap than two little ones. And that's the exact Bitcoin thesis, which why do we need a bajillion altcoins? We just need one Bitcoin. And so, like all of these same tropes that Bitcoiners say, which are generally, for the most part, right, uh, I have repurposed and and am using all of that same thought for how and why Ethereum applications should be built the way that they are. Um, and so, the I, I think it's it's pretty telling when I when I read um, the Bitcoin standard, and most Ethereum people are like, "Why would you read that?" And I'm like well have you guys read it and they're like no (laughs) i'm like well you guys should read it because it's a really good book like you don't you don't have to like get on board with like fiat art but like understanding some things about people uh and and the whole lesson about personal economics like individual economics is not something that we are taught in economic schools And I don't think, I don't think anyone, the world isn't receiving that information except from Bitcoiners. And so like, we have to tip our hat to, to Bitcoiners for, you know, pushing forth stuff like this.
1: If you could change the Ethereum community's mind on one thing, what would it be? Um, Hmm.
0: It's actually a really hard question. You know, I don't know if it's just because, like, I think that we have generally made the right choices over time, or if I've just become a brainwashed Ethereum Maxi. One of the two. Um, but I generally agree with all of the all of the choices that have been taken. Um, there, there. Sometimes, sometimes I'm worried about what I say is an actual reflection of the Ethereum community or a reflection of how I want the Ethereum community to be. And so like, I often say like, oh yeah, we're researching the best way to do monetary policy. And then once we get that right, we'll set it and forget it. Um, I don't know, actually, that might just be my perception of what Ethereum is. And that might just be in my head. And I'm sure that's in a lot of other people's heads. And that seems to make sense to at least other people not just me, but like, does that actually reflect all of Ethereum? I'm I'm not too sure. Um, like, do you, how, what is this? I, I think the social contract between, uh, with like, what, what do we change and how often do we change it is kind of like undetermined. I've always assumed that it's, it's, we, we tinker and experiment until we've solved and then we, and then we're hands off as opposed to constantly be tinkering. But I, I think the social contract is that like constant tinkering is unsustainable. Uh, because, you know, because of how it is, but I, I guess, I guess if I would want to change one thing, it's, it's maybe defining that a little bit better, but like, also it's hard to define it because it's this nebulous community of stakeholders. Yeah. A good enough um, answer?
1: Yeah. I think, I mean, I don't know if, yeah, I think that that's pretty interesting. Um, kind of brings up like, so something that, uh, you as well as a lot of other people say that like um bitcoin's hard cap is, is kind of like a social consensus thing and it's not mm-hmm. necessarily um like a hardware node thing and mm-hmm. i constantly argue that you know yes it is a social contract thing but it's also comp- it's it's also reinforced by a decentralized mm-hmm. network of nodes that mm-hmm. you know maintain a constant consensus mm-hmm. um So, like, that's where I think that, like, social contracts, no one, like, they're ambiguous, they're they're kind of ambiguous, you don't know what everyone's else's social contract is that they believe in, right? And, Mm -hmm. like, we already saw that in Bitcoin, where the social contract stopped working for some people, and, Mm -hmm. you know, they had to leave or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, So, like, social contracts can only scale so far when it comes to, like, coordinating everyone and making decisions. Um, Maybe someone can solve that, but so far in a, like, undefined governance method, mm-hmm. like, I have no idea how you do that. Um, so, the- like, that again, that's where I think, like, you know, Bitcoin social contract, plus the fact that no one is forking nodes and maintaining that constant consensus is extremely important. Like, it mm-hmm. makes it very, very robust and it makes it something that is, like, very much a, like, hardware thing. Like, literally, right. the ledger is located in all these different places, like, and mm-hmm. that's where the robustness comes from.
0: Yeah. So I think the Bitcoin social contract can be summed up as the Bitcoin social contract is that there's no social contract, but that social contract is wrong because there is a social contract, but it's right in the sense that the social contract is to eliminate the social contract, which means that like we reduce the social contract and the importance of it down to the minimal viable social contract, which is to just have nodes and hardware and that we don't change that. Does that make sense? Or did I, I kind of like
1: that I kind of like that take. I have to I have to sit on it more before I say like 100% I agree with it, but I like that. I like that. Yeah, so like it, it it admits
0: that there is a social contract because the social contract is to not have one, but that is one. But then the social contract just reduces the social contract to a minimum, which is nodes. Cool. Cool. We parsed something out. Nice.
1: Yeah, I'm gonna have to sit on it a little bit more. I'm be mm-hmm. curious to hear what you know, folks like Brandon or or Ansel or other fo- or Matt uh, think about that. Some of the Bitcoiners that listen to this podcast You're or Hazu, Bitcoin, Hazu, yeah. do you listen to this? I want to get Hazu on part two. I feel like I want to get his how his mindset has changed over the course mm-hmm. of uh, mm-hmm. these last few months. I, honestly, like Hazu, tell me if I'm wrong, but I feel like at least you've been more public about your uh, your mindset change after your POV crypto appearance, where you kind of talked mm-hmm. about um you know how stable coins and and these uh tokens on ethereum as an issuing platform made you more bullish on eth yeah it would be
0: nice to know who who in crypto sphere listens to this on at least on a semi-regular basis we have been dabbling with um trying to get multiple guests on at the same time so i think uh eric wall and hazu as as uh, one single conversation i think that would be pretty cool um, so if you guys are listening to this, we want to bring you guys on. Um, cool. What else should we talk about? Um, I think one thing that has been kind of circling around in crypto Twitter lately is the idea of, of dissident tech, um, I don't really have a specific topic I want to talk about other than how I think dissident tech is cool. And it's kind of this nebulous thing that I don't really know how, how to define, but uh, I, I enjoy the concept and I'm looking forward to reading uh, The Sovereign Individual when it comes out on Audible
1: in like two weeks. Listening to it. Yeah, whatever. Same fucking thing. They're they're different. No, they're different things. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay yeah. to listen to something. I'm, I pretty much only listen, but uh-huh. it's listening.
0: Mm-hmm. Those do you of, have, of you do listening you have opinions on, <laughs> no, they're, they're reading POV crypto. Do you have an opinion on uh, dissident tech or thoughts to share? Conversation starter?
1: Yeah, it. I, I think this entire space, including dissident tech, is the counterforce to the way that the internet has been leaning so far. I think mm-hmm. that that counterforce has been kind of building up slowly in the background with the cypherpunks and tour and all this stuff. Um, but With Bitcoin, like that is the key and and the innovations that Bitcoin brought in terms of monetary competition for all you altcoiners out there, you too, with Bitcoin and all of that, that is the real switch. That's where like this dissident tech ecosystem can Mm -hmm. now start competing without depending on the other ecosystem. And I think that this dissident tech freedom architecture will be more competitive because it is strictly capitalist. It is strictly open source, war of ideas, war of services, straight utility, straight functionality, um, no bullshit. Like, it's just so much more efficient than the existing infrastructure that Mm -hmm. enables commerce. And it's so much less biased. And it, it really doesn't differentiate between, you know, are you a woman? Are you Chinese? Are you American? Like, are you sanctioned? Are you a dictator? Are you a... You know, are you a nonprofit? It does not matter. It, you know, it just services you. And I think it's just gonna be so much more competitive. Um, that you know, dissident tech is just gonna crush the other services, just strictly from utility. And you know, maybe the the legacy system is gonna compete, maybe it won't. I don't think long term it can. It just it might as well just merge over.
0: Yeah. So when it comes to how dissident tech will benefit the world or benefit the individual and change the world. Um, I was talking to my politically minded brother-in-law not too long ago. And I said, like, I think the next phase of holiday things. Yeah. Well, I see, I see him all the time. He lives up the street. Um, uh, I think that I said, I think the next phase of, uh, you know, the human cycle is that we're kind of going to step away from, uh, the power of, uh, countries and like governments are just going to generally have less power because of the things like dissident tech. Um, And then he voiced a concern like, well, if that's true, like who is going to check the corporations? And so like one thing I'm concerned about is like dissident tech, I think equally benefits both corporations and individuals. And we're seeing this with like why Facebook wants to start Libra. Well, like Libra is kind of its own like dissident tech for corporations from the government. But I think the uh, dissident tech like Bitcoin and Ethereum benefits corporations and people equally. But corporations already have like such a huge lead over individuals that I'm kind of worried that like dissident tech actually just kind of turns corporations into the new government and kind of leaves people out to dry. Um, th- this is not my area of expertise. And so like, take that with a grain of salt. I don't pay attention to this nearly as I do Ethereum, but like, it's just kind of a concern I have.
1: So the evil, this is, and then this is kind of like my libertarian coming out, but the evil that your politically minded uh, brother-in-law is worried about that he's instilling in this idea of corporations and capitalism is actually caused by corporations taking advantage of the asymmetric opportunity that governments enable. So what do I mean by that? Cause that's a lot of big words, essentially governments enable corporations to entrench themselves, to get tax benefits, to put themselves in positions where they need to be less competitive to maintain their moat. And of course, corporations will take advantage of that opportunity. So where he thinks that government's help is keeping these corporations in check, in reality is the government that's helping enables them to be evil, enables them to be evil. So in my opinion, pure capitalism, is this, and again, it's not, this is an extreme idea. This is an, maybe it's untested. I don't know. Like I, we we would have to ask a historian about this, but like ultimately the customer always is right with competition. Mm -hmm. When there are opportunities to entrench yourself via any sort of government enabled, uh, you know, I guess government enabled advantage, Via you know whatever regulations that exist, um, that is where the customer stops not being right, and that's mm-hmm. where this like evil that he's scared of happens. You know what is what yeah. is bad about creating products that people want, right? I don't think there's anything. Bad about
0: the that. externalities is what we're what we're really going for, um, and so sure. uh, so I, okay. I think so that people so...
1: are perfectly capable of managing the externalities. People without government can be like you know I, I really don't want to destroy the planet. Through education, people can make that decision with their dollar, and we already see that. Oh, I don't think we're
0: gonna see that.
1: But no, but people do that, and in reality, a lot of people do. A lot of people do, and it's a movement, right? And it takes education over time, and it's like slowly and then suddenly. Like people are scared about this; they just don't know how they can do it, and they think that they can enable the government to do it for them.
0: So, like, what you're saying is that the government really sets the stage that allow for corporations to be extractive and rent sneaking and all the bad, all the bad things that we don't like corporations doing. Yeah. Th- that's f- fair. Uh, what I'm concerned about is like, if we go with that premise and say like, okay, kill the government and let corporations go. Um, I think that maybe in a vacuum, having a more libertarian, uh, foundation is okay but we're not in a vacuum and we are currently in a world that is currently generally run by governments that have checks over corporations and then if we just like you know pop that then then that's going to like cause a lot of mayhem and i think that maybe in the long term that'll be good like 100 years 50 years but like in the short term that would cause a bunch of mess and like if you believe global warming like we don't have too many years to not be figuring this out
1: yep no, I mean, 100%. Um, I think that Bitcoin is going to help with global warming, though. Like, I don't have this hard-nosed idea that um, burning energy equals destroying the planet. I don't think it. Mm-hmm. I think it's a lot more nuanced than that. I um, mean, I'm concerned about it. I want the Earth to be healthy. Um, again, like, now, you, this is where you have to differentiate, like, you know, Bitcoiners on Twitter versus mm-hmm. Bitcoiners in the real world and all this other stuff. But, like, not everyone thinks that, you know, taking care of the planet is a farce. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I'm not, again, I'm not an expert though, so I can't, you know, speak super concretely about all this stuff, but I, I'm, you know, I'm concerned and I want to be better. Um, we gosh, I'm, I'm like lost loss my train of thought. I've got something like, go uh, on. what were you we talking about right before this? Uh, governments and corporations. Oh yeah. 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 With your, 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 okay. He's a pretty liberal guy, right?
0: My brother-in-law. Oh yeah. Super yeah. liberal, Yeah, for sure.
1: I mean, I just see examples where you know, government take advantage, but you said about, okay, here we go. Uh, we said about um, none of this being in a bubble. You're right. Like, mm-hmm. I think that it's, it's going to be a competitive side system that is going to, you know, that you know is going to compete. It's going to compete on giving property rights and creating uh, an economic system and creating unit account and protecting uh, the, you know, monetary value that. Hold, and if the legacy system can't compete, then it people will start adopting the alternative system. Um, so, I don't think it's in a bubble. I don't think it's going to happen right away. I think it's going to be gradually, and then all at once. Like it's going to be like slowly, 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 and then you turn around and everyone has an iPhone. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna Except push it's going to be Bitcoin. So quick. Okay, I'm back. Um, like what? What yeah. do you think about this transition? Whether it's Bitcoin, whether it's it's uh, the, the, the crypto the DeFi, transition, Bitcoin, yeah,
0: yeah. So I was listening to the On the Brink podcast right before we hopped on here, and, and the latest guest who can't remember the name, uh, just just kind of talked about the general idea that like it's nothing's going to happen all at once. It's not going to just like explode onto the scene. But like uh, companies are going to see like more and more as like oh blockchain is working for you know this sector oh now now it's working for payments oh blockchain turns out it's working for for this reason and so like at some point people will, at some point companies will be like oh the blockchain does work and it's been working in these sectors for like three to five years now and so like now we can start to experiment and then at some point the, the claim is that there was not really one tipping point but at some point companies just begin to trust the tech of blockchain and whatever the capacity that is. And then um once that confidence comes in, that's the that's the tipping point. Like I do believe that it's first it's nothing and then it's everything. But like I, I think it's just going to be a a a rush rather than an explosion.
1: Yeah. I mean I personally think we're seeing the rush right now. Like I I always harp that we are living in hyper bitcoinization and you mm-hmm. can expand or retract the definition of what that means to yourself. Mm -hmm. But in my mind, it's this idea of monetary competition is real. Digital assets are real. You Mm -hmm. can have digitally scarce resources that are going to protect and maintain people's value much better than fiat currencies that enable the issuer to print and have seniorage. Like all of this stuff is real now and people are taking advantage of it and adopting it slowly.
0: Mm -hmm. One thing here's something that I think we can close out on uh that's tied to this is is um the way that um, I've seen you tweet about this concept and other bitcoiners as well and and we can use the frame of, of um, hyper Bitcoinization to talk about this but for me it's because I want to buy more ether but like I constantly am living a more minimal lifestyle and so like I have i've I've got a gaming uh computer but it doesn't have a GPU in it and a GPU a good one costs like three hundred dollars which is like 2.3 ether that's that's a decent amount of ether like that's 1 16th of a whole node and so like i haven't bought a gpu because i would rather buy ether with it and so like this whole idea of like minimalism has like bled into my all of my life and so like i'm big on the carnivore diet i'm big on on keto and fasting and if i'm doing good with the carnivore diet and keto and fasting then i eat less food and so like the dollars per day that I'm uh, spending on food goes down and I'm fasting and eating good food. Because if you want to eat less food, you better make sure it's nutritious. And so I'm fasting more, I'm eating less. Like that's good for the environment. It's good for my budget. I can buy more ether, Uh, like cold showers, take a cold shower. Don't pay for the heating, like good for your health, like all these good things. But at some point, like I think I'm just turning into like a fucking hunter gatherer. And, like, I'm just, like, opting out of just, like, life and be, like, okay, like, you guys go to, you know, the bar and drink $50 worth of drinks. I'm not going to do that because, like, if I do that, I'm going to, like, turn into a ravenous boar who hasn't eaten any carbs in, like, three weeks. But then it's, it's like, weird because, like, like, I'm opting out of so many things that, like, the rest of society is opting into so I can buy more ether. And, like, it's a like personal struggle I have at once. Like, how do I balance the fact that I'm this super weird human who like takes cold showers so he can buy more ether, but also be healthy. And like, how do I balance that with like the, all the other 27 year old kids these days? Like I feel very out of alignment.
1: You can start by buying some Bitcoin too. Don't forget about Bitcoin. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever. Bitcoin. Sure. (laughs) But yeah, I mean, I like you are way more extreme than me in like pretty much every facet. So I would say that I'm, a minimalist, but I also like to indulge like I'm I'm much more of like, a, you know, make it easy. So that way you can do it. And then you know, don't hurt yourself. That's kind of like how I live my life. Um, but generally speaking, you know, I do think that your money influences how you act. Mm-hmm. This is why when people defend USD as a long term solution, especially people in the Ethereum community who defend defend die as a long term solution. And this idea of a stable coin as a long-term solution, like they're going to get fucked because it cannot compete with a money that enables you to save more effectively and hold your value more effectively. And a hard money does that, mm-hmm. right? And Bitcoin, and if you think that Ether is a hard money, then it too will just accrue more value to it because it stores value better. And mm-hmm. that is going to change how you act because all of a sudden you have a easy, simple way To store your value effectively and you're going to do it more it's going to compete with your other activities um so yesterday i put out two tweets that got a lot of action the first was bitcoin will enable extreme minimalism and then i kind of built on that idea and said buy own bitcoins rent everything else as in like store your value everything else is going to lose you value you know, or is not going to hold value as well as Bitcoin. So you might as well just hold your value in Bitcoin and then just rent everything else and drop the externalities of those assets on someone else. Um, So obviously that's a super extreme statement and I'm very far from living that lifestyle. Mm -hmm. Um, But I'm just trying to stimulate the mind here. And I do think that the money will change how you act. Mm -hmm. The asset will change how you act.
0: Yeah. Some of my friends are like talking about like houses, and I'm twenty seven if you guys didn't catch that a second ago. and that just seems like fucking crazy to me. Like, why would you want to buy a house? Like that seems and like it's just the realty guy. <laughs> 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 okay, but no, the difference is like if you buy a house, like my friends are talking about getting a mortgage. With realty, you don't get a mortgage. Oh, sorry. Uh, so we with, with yell at with,
1: our listeners, <laughs> you
0: know, with realty, you don't have to buy a mortgage. My friends want to get a mortgage to buy a house at twenty seven. So it's like a 30 year mortgage that like one of my favorite lines from Jordan Peterson is like if if he he gives the example of this person has been pursuing an engineering degree ever since they were like 14 years old and now they're like 32 and they finally got their first job as an engineer and they hate it. And Jordan Peterson was like, well, why did you fucking listen to yourself when you were 14? Like, didn't you update like what you wanted? You've been doing this for like 16 years Why haven't you updated what you wanted? And so like a 30 year mortgage is a huge commitment. Like I know you can bail out earlier than if you want, but like still like you buying a house, like it locks you into one specific place. It locks you into probably your job and it locks you into paying 22 to $3,000 a month. Like it just locks you in just lock, lock, lock. And like, that doesn't sound
1: very fun to me. It doesn't sound fun at all. You know, everyone has their own opinion on what they want, but maybe if they adopt different monetary technology, they'll act differently.
0: <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, no, you're totally right. You're totally right. Um, I plan on buying a house with die in like 10 years. So we'll see how that goes.
1: I plan on houses losing a lot of their SOV value, and then parting with a very small amount of satoshis for a place to live in a very nice at a very nice value.
0: Right. So, do you think the housing market is going down? It's going to change over the next because 10 years. people
1: store their value in houses, and that's mm-hmm. not going to compete with a super liquid, super scarce digital asset as a means to store your value.
0: Well, it will compete, but not. It won't compete in the same way that it's competing with the U.S. dollar because houses are winning versus the U.S. dollar, but they won't be winning as as much as they will will with Bitcoin. Houses will will be losing a lot. Houses will always be a good store of value because they pay you cash.
1: Okay. They can be a business, but that's if you want to run a business. That is a completely Mm -hmm. different thing than storing your value. People use it as a store of value and a business and a house right now. Mm-hmm. Um, people use it as a savings vehicle. Like a lot of my family, they follow the old trope, like get married, get a 30 mm-hmm. year mortgage, use that to save, sell the house when you retire. And then that's your savings, right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. they're going to stack sats instead. Yeah, know, that strategy
0: but, sounds really risky
1: right now. Yeah. Like uh, it, it's just not going to compete. It's not going to compete. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I think that houses are going to be a much better value in the future.
0: Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If you buy crypto. (laughs)
1: Well, no, I think like here's here's the thing. Bitcoin or crypto digital hard assets, whatever Mm -hmm. that have liquidity, um, they will benefit everyone no matter what, because Mm -hmm. they service people better. So obviously early adopters who take on more risk and have more foresight are going to get a lot of the gains, but Mm -hmm. everyone is going to benefit from. Being able to store their value easily and efficiently in something that's extremely saleable, mm-hmm. everyone benefits from that. Even if you don't get the upside, even if you don't get right. the appreciation, and you know if something is actually c- becoming more scarce, you know theoretically it will pump forever against all other like things, right? Everything should always be getting cheaper against a scarce good. Again, that is like very um, <laughs> Austrian high level idea, mm-hmm, but yeah. mm-hmm. um, you know. It's going to, I guess the whole idea is like, you know, digital hard money is going to benefit everyone. It's not going to benefit just early adopters.
0: Right. Right. Okay. All right. right. Let's. Uh,
1: yeah, let's close it out. All
0: right. You guys can follow me both on Twitter and on Medium at Trustless State. i reversed those for the first time in like forever. You can follow the podcast at POV Crypto Pod. Christian?
1: You can follow me on Twitter at CK underscore Snarks. Going to be putting out some new stuff at Bitcoin Magazine next year. So keep an eye out for that. And make sure to check out Bitcoin 2020 conference. Code POV for a 20% discount. Get those tickets while they're cheap. Make sure to subscribe to the show. Peace. Happy New Year's.
0: It's all for you to decide Will you decide Will you